Hi, my name is Mitch with Wide Left Sports, and today I have the absolute honor of having former MLB pitcher and current president of Billings American Legion Baseball, Jeff Ballard, with me today. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I want to give everybody a little bit of an intro of you. You were born in Billings. You debuted in 87 with the Orioles, and then you went on to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you also had a very good career at Stanford, I understand from looking you up. You were their leader in wins, Ks, and innings pitched for 20 years. That's pretty awesome for such a big school with a lot of athletes that have been through there. So that's a huge achievement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stanford was certainly a big part of my life. and uh, It was a great place to play baseball. And also education. It was anywhere for education-wise. So I just really uh, thankful I had the opportunity. Oh, it's definitely a top-notch education school, definitely. It's a great school all around, I think. So, one of my first things here is you live the MLB dream of so many, you know, kids. Even adults like me still dream that they could have played in the MLB. So, what was it like having your name announced over the loudspeaker at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore for the first time? Ah, uh, you know, pretty special. You know, my first start was on the road in, in Comiskey playing against the White Sox. So kind of where, you know, the, the ice got broken there. But, uh, you know, pitching pitching at home in Baltimore was uh, pretty special. You gave me an alley, you know, really paved the road there for Billings. And so it was it made me feel pretty special to be playing for the Orioles and, and uh, you know, getting uh, – you know, being a starting pitcher and being out there on the mound, it was nerve-wracking, though. Believe me, I mean, it was, I was very nervous. You know? I can only imagine how nerve-wracking that would be, but obviously you did pretty well. <laughs> so your pro story is obviously very amazing, but you also shared a locker room with one of, the, uh, one of the greats in the MLB history, Cal Ripken Jr. What was he like as a teammate? You know, I can't say enough good things about Cal. He... Uh... You know, it was an honor for anybody to play for him, and he was such a great example for how he played the game and how he led his life. Um, that uh, just a great teammate. I think I've used him in, you know, when I've talked to talked to kids or you know other people, I've used him as an example a lot, and uh, and just you know teachings because you know the thing that always stood out about Cal was that you know he never he never lived in a glass house. I mean, he never protected his street. He never went out of his way to try to take it easy. He played the game as a young kid would every day that, you know, that he took the field, at least while I was there. And, um, and he, uh, you know, he's out. He, he's, he never took a day off of batting practice. He never took a day off of taking grounders. Um, and then when he was done doing all that, he's in the outfield running fly balls down, trying to rob home runs, you know, just, he had a lot of little kid in him. Um, and a lot of energy for the game. So he just had fun, but he worked very hard. And so his his role model by example um, was incredible, and I think that that really set the tone for you know a lot of the players that would come in. It's like, well, gosh, you know, Cal's here every day uh, doing this stuff. How can I not be here every day? You know, doing doing to put the time in. And so I think he is just a great teammate in that respect. And I believe he would tell you that uh, of all the things he did, the most important thing that he felt uh, was that he was a good teammate. And I believe that's said about him an awful lot. Baseball is definitely a team sport, and, you know, they always talk about records in MLB that could be broken, and I think that is one record that is completely untouchable. I don't know any player 
nowadays that will be able to play as many games in a row as he did. And the, the, the thing is that it's the reason it seems so out of touch is that it, it's not that somebody couldn't maybe do that without getting injured. It's just that would they? And, you know, they're pretty cognizant anymore with what they pay these guys to make sure that they get the day off here and there to rest. Um, it is a grind um, playing 162 games. Uh, and then, you know, if, you, if you're playing the postseason as well, um, you got 30 games in spring training. So it's just, it's a lot. And uh, I don't think people can quite appreciate, you know, the how grueling that can be on uh, on someone day in and day out until you've actually experienced it. So I think what, what happens in this day and age is that players get their breaks built in. You know, they'll, they'll play a lot of games and then the manager's like, hey, we can give you a day off. No one's trying to get a streak. I mean, no one's trying to play 162 games, let alone however many games he played, you know. No kidding. <laughs> almost three, almost 3,000. Yeah, it was really. ridiculous. 28, 2,800 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just amazing um, what he was able to do. So who was your greatest influence either in your playing days or before? Or both? Well, you know, my, well, I, you know, my father initially mm-hmm. would have been my, my biggest influence, you know, growing up from Little League up until – uh, you know, I was turned over to Legion Baseball um, and played for Dennis Maggard. So I've had some people along the way that were really influential. You know, my dad gave me the foundation and the work ethic to to uh, excel in, in baseball um, in all sports, really. And then, um, you know, Dennis was, uh, I think Dennis uh, Maggard really helped formulate, you know, my mentality of, 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 uh, of putting the time in and working hard at what you're trying to do to be good. But, you know, my mentor, you know, from a major league standpoint, you know, once I was leaving Billings and going to Stanford was David Nally. And I was very lucky that he had moved back to town. His son and I became best friends. Jeff and I went to Stanford. His name was Jeff as well. Uh, we both went to Stanford on a baseball scholarship, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's he neat. was out of Billings going to Stanford at the same time on a baseball scholarship. But it will never, something like that will probably never happen again. Um, but, um, so through our friendship, you know, I was good friends and around Dave a lot. And it gave me someone to talk to, you know, when I would come back from, you know, uh, playing a year of professional sports, whether it be in the minor leagues or whether it was after I cracked uh, and, and got the big leagues a little bit in 87 for a couple months, you know, coming home and being able to talk with him about uh, playing at that level was very valuable to me. And, you know, and then I got to learn a lot about him uh, through those conversations as well. So, I think, uh, you know, he, and he worked, you know, before I went to Stanford, uh, we, Jeff and I were getting in shape with Stanford doesn't start until uh, late September uh, with classes. And so when we got done playing for the Scarlets. We had almost all of August and, and September to train, to get ready to go to Stanford to play fall ball down there. And so um, Dave would come out and work with both of us. He worked specifically on pitching with me and we added, uh, we added a slider at that time. We worked on some other uh, real important uh, mechanics. And so when I went to Stanford as a freshman, I was really, really finely tuned um, to uh, perform. And it, and it was huge because when I got there, you know, I don't think they, they knew what to expect. You know, they, they get this kid from Billings, Montana, uh, left-hander, okay, you know, but, you know, they got all these other 
big California recruits and recruits from across the country. And Stanford was really a growing program at the time of, of getting back into the national spotlight. They'd been to the championship of regionals the, the year before my freshman year. And so they were, you know, on the national stage from a ranking standpoint. Um, and I go in there and win a starting job right out of the gate my freshman year. I think solely because I was so prepared going into it that fall that I was able to just dominate and pitch really well, you know, right out of the gate. And, and I give Dave a lot of that credit because he built that, that mental side and some of the, the you know, the, the mechanical side and, and learning, you know, some pitches too prior to going there. And uh, so when I got there, you know, my, my confidence was high, you know, obviously working with him and, you know, and I just performed very well. And that really was a key to, a lot of my Stanford success and, and, and taking that into the future. So, yeah, I give a lot of credit to Dave. Awesome. So a follow-up question with that is how much of pitching especially is mental and physical, would you say? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, initially a lot of it's physical. Uh, when you're first learning to pitch, throwing strikes, <clears throat> I think there's there's uh, uh, the, some certain mechanics and arm actions and grips and things that you just need to work out a lot. So I think there's a lot of physical – uh, side that goes into um, pitching early, but very soon after you you know you've started to become comfortable with mechanics and and you've learned to throw the ball over the plate, uh, it really starts switching over to you know a high percentage uh, mental. Um, it really really is, and, and you as a pitcher you really have to be resilient out there in the mound, and you're you you just have to be kind of cutthroat. You just have to be uh, very determined to not give up runs at all costs, regardless of how you're defensive playing, regardless of what's going on in the game, what the weather's like or anything else. You just have to be very, very stingy. And that's a, that's a mental perspective that you have to adopt and learn. And, and some people are better at it than others. And I think you'll see as you go up the food chain in uh, – in, uh, in sports, it's that mental edge that puts one player over another and keeps them moving forward in that sport. Really interesting. So I'm going to trend, or I have one more question about your baseball career. You pitched half the time in Baltimore, and then you also went over to Pittsburgh, where pitchers happened to hit. Yeah, mostly, mostly, <laughs> mostly in Baltimore. Uh, four years there, most of my time. So I had two seasons with Pittsburgh. And pitchers hit over in Pittsburgh. And one of my favorite uh, memories of baseball in general was Randy Johnson in the All-Star game pitching to John Crook, where John Crook just looked scared up there on the mound. Did you ever have – or I'm sorry, not at the mound, at the bat, at the batter's box. Did you ever have any moment like that in the batter's box where you were just like, crap, I am up against this guy that's just going to, you know, be the yeah, best of the best? Uh... <laughs> Not, not really. You know, the one, one thing that, you know, people that don't know my career very well, or at least early on, is I was a hitter. You know, I was, I was a really good hitter. As a matter of fact, I hit at Stanford, which is really rare that pitchers even do that there. Um, and so I was the backup first baseman. I DH'd several times. You know, I had a couple game-winning home runs at Stanford. Um, so, you know, I was uh, – I, I practiced hitting all the way through. And actually when I got drafted, you know, playing for the American League, it was the one of the things I missed a lot was hitting. Um, hitting's fascinating to me. You know, I, I studied it. Uh, I, I talked about it a lot. And when I got back over uh, and started playing in the National League, even when I was down in AAA for the Pirates and started swinging the bat uh, a little more 
um, and getting getting back into the hitting, I started studying hitting quite a bit again and kind of getting into those hitting conversations with, with people. And it's uh, it was really, really fun. And so, that being said, when I got my opportunity, um, you know, up with when I got called up with Pittsburgh in 93, and uh, uh, I, I specifically remember I had five hits. I was five for 13. was my big league career. So, you know, Hall of Fame numbers, right? Oh, Maybe totally. Or something like that, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the number of bats don't qualify for the Hall of Fame. But the average certainly does. The average does, yes. Um, <laughs> the average does. But, uh, but hitting-wise, um, I remember being in Montreal playing uh, playing there against the Expos, and uh, their right fielder was Larry Walker. And Larry Walker you know, ended up going and playing for the Rockies, having a great career there. But one of the things Larry Rock, Walker was really known for was having a cannon for an arm. And um, I was not a fast runner by any means, and it probably probably slow out of the box too. So it really wasn't probably a pretty picture of me running down to first base. But I was facing uh, – they had a right-handed pitcher – and, and, and I never can quite remember his name, but he was a Cy Young winner. Um, he threw about 95. He had a really good split-finger fastball. And uh, you know, he, was, he was the real deal. And I started a game against him in Montreal. And my first time up against him, I hit a, just a rope-line drive between first and second base right at Larry Walker off a fastball. Uh, and that uh, was my first big league hit. And, uh, and then... Um, I'm running to first, and all I could see is I felt like I was barely out of the box at home, and Larry already had the ball in right field. And I'm like, God, he's gonna he's gonna throw me out of first base. I'm gonna be so embarrassed. And everybody's gonna see this on Sports Center, and this is all I could think of. And I'm running as hard as I could, pulling toenails out, running down the line, you know, just, like, just trying to get there. And he he looked he looked like he wanted to, and then he just came up and threw it to second. And uh, I was like, oh, God, thank God he didn't throw it because he'd had me out. Well, the second time up against uh, uh, this, this pitcher, he threw me a split finger, and I hit the exact same, another line drive rope between first and second, exact duplicate of what I did the first time up. Same experience. I'm running, thinking he's going to throw me out. Uh, thank, thankfully, he didn't, and uh, he, he just threw, threw it in the second. Let, and it's almost like, well, I'll let this guy have his hits, you know, <laughs> instead, of instead of embarrassing him. I really think he would have thrown me out both times um, if, he, uh, if he'd have thrown it to first. But uh, anyway, that's my that was my excitement. Uh, yeah, I had a couple other, we had three other hits that year in '93 to, to get my five hits. But I didn't have any John Kruk moments because I really thought I could hit. I would, you know, if I was getting in there, sure. Randy Johnson's big. He throws hard. I'm sure he's going to embarrass me, but I'm thinking I'm going to hit him. Right. right. I mean, that's my mentality. You know, I mean, I was a hitter. So I know John Cruck was an all-star hitter. He wanted no part of him. But, um, <laughs> and and I think that was the all-star game, and, and it made it for, for more entertainment than he probably would have done if it was a regular season. That's probably true, yes. John Cruck probably would have given you all that animation. He would have stayed in there and tried to hit him. But, no, I did not. I was not fearful of, of pitching. Well, that's awesome. So let's transition away from yeah. your career a little bit. You had a really cool opportunity this summer. You were able to coach your son in San Bernardino for the Boulder Arrowhead Little League. Tell me about that experience. Well, uh, it was one I was really hoping that I would be able to have as a father. My dad took my Little League team to San Bernardino, my Little League All-Star team when I was 12. And so it was a great experience. It's one of my favorite memories of my childhood. And really all my baseball career was playing in San Bernardino. And I, I was wanting to experience that with, with Kyron. And uh, so 
um, you know, dream come true for sure. Great father son uh, moment. Uh, really proud of, of him down there. Um, you know, I, I know he got hit with the line drive um, that uh, really affected his game against Washington. But mm-hmm. I was really proud of, of how he came out and pitched it through strikes. He looked good out there. Um, and, and he competed and I just was really proud that he took that line drive and got back on his feet and wanted to stay in the game and continued and, and he's a tough, really tough kid. So he showed me an awful lot. Certainly, uh, and very thankful he didn't get really hurt. It was just a you know, scary moment, but one that it didn't uh, you know, hurt him. And that, that was, uh, that was really great because it can be kind of dangerous out there in the bounding times. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. yeah. That's always I a worry when you're out really there. Fun. San Bernardino's great. The Little League provides, you know, that's, that's. Uh, if, if there's a reason you're, you know, there's a lot of reasons to play Little League, but for the good players that get a chance to play All-Stars, your focus certainly is trying to get to a place like San Bernardino on the regionals and have a shot to go to the Little League World Series. Yeah. It certainly is a, a special place to go to. Yeah. yeah, my brother went there with his team when they were 12 for Boulder Arrowhead also, and yeah. that place is definitely second to none. It's a great yeah. complex. Like you said, the facility is great, and it's just an overall great experience. So, kind of staying with the same wavelength a little bit, Big Sky Little League in 2011 had an impressive run in the Little League World Series. What do you think that did for baseball overall in Billings? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can say enough for what it did for baseball. You know, Billings is a baseball town, in my opinion. It has been uh, for a lot of years. I mean, going back into the 50s with the, with the Billings Royals and all the state championships that Ed Bain was bringing, and then the Little Legion World Series appearances that he was able to go to, uh, you know, three out of four years. They went to the Legion World Series. You know, I think put, put baseball on the map, you know, Billings on the map for being a baseball town. Uh, but I think from a, a Little League standpoint, we've had some really good teams go down to San Bernardino uh, in the past. You know, my, my year, I know we went, we were – really strong and had a good shot. We played in the semifinals, different structure than, than what it morphed into. That was more of just a, a typical tournament when you lose, you're out mm-hmm. kind of deal. And, you know, we got to the semifinals um, and lost to Hawaii. But, uh, you know, the uh, the opportunity was there, but, you know, we couldn't do it. And there was other teams after us that had a shot. And then to see, you know, this team go, uh, to San Bernardino, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know, we get we get Billings teams in San Bernardino a lot, and all of a sudden they win, and they qualify for the League World Series, and you're just like, holy cow, it can be done. And I think that um, it really gave all the little leaguers now know that, right? They know that Big Sky went. All the kids that played on this team, they you know they were barely born when Little League when uh, Big Sky went. Mm-hmm. Um, they were two years old, probably the kids that I took down there this year. But they all know who Big Sky was. They all know that they went definitely just to, uh, to, to the League World Series, and they're like, "Hey, it can be done." So I think what what they what those kids were able to do is give confidence to any team from Montana that there's a real chance that they can go, mm-hmm. and not just, "Hey, we're going to go to regionals and then we'll be home in a, in a week," you know. Um, and I, I think not, not enough can be said about that. And I think it's really pretty cool where now they're changing the uh, regionals in, in Little League to where, uh, you know, they're going to like, uh, it just I think there's four states per region. Oh, really? So Montana, yeah, Montana is now going to be in a, uh, uh, a deal with um, uh, Wyoming and 
Idaho and Nevada, I think, are the four states, and they call them like the mountain. The, the, I think the mountain region huh. is what they're calling it. So when now when they go down there, they're going to be competing among four states to go to uh, Williamsport, and so. I think it's great that, and the reason Little League's doing that is to try to give more opportunity to some of the states that, that rarely get there. And I, so it's exciting because now we've had a team that's gone, and we and not only did they go, they got they got to the U.S. championship game. Right. So they went there and represented incredibly well. And um, I think that, um, you know, now uh, all these kids have a belief that this can be done again, and they're going to get a better opportunity to do so with how the regionals are going to be structured. And I just think it's really cool. That is and, uh, really cool. Lots of hope, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a team there in the next few years again. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, I hope so. Yep. So now moving on to Legion, um, last year we were able to have six teams for Legion. Do you see the sustainability for that with baseball in Billings, or do you see that maybe fluctuating from year to year? Well, six teams in our program, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think that you know, that uh, now that it, the B teams have been established, I think it's uh, I think it's something we expect to continue. Um, you know, the, the reason we grew into a fifth team initially and had a B team that was kind of a mix of both the Royals and Scarlet side players was because uh, we felt that we had enough kids trying out, and we wanted to try to get kids in the you know get kids in the program and provide opportunities for kids to play. Um, and so we did that, and so that team. You know, was I don't know three or four years that they um, I think that they stayed as, as a combo team between mm-hmm. the two sides, and then um, we we had an influx uh, another good a year of numbers uh, on the on the scarlet side to where it was evident that we could have a, a Royals you know blue side post four team and a and a red side post four team. So I think that with the, the with what we're seeing in the numbers and the and the, and the you know, the kids coming, I, we, we expect that to continue. And it's, uh, it is a great opportunity, I think, for that age kid, you know, that what you see is once you get out of Little League, you see a real drop off in numbers in Little League because Little League doesn't provide a very competitive deal for kids once they get out of being 12. Right. One, that, that, it's just not the same quality that you got when you're playing up until three or twelve year old year, mm-hmm. and the travel ball becomes a lot more of a prominent uh, thing, and so you know that that thirteen year old year, maybe your fourteen year old year, you see kids doing the travel and getting out and playing tournaments, but then what? You know, I mean, you can continue on playing travel, but in my opinion, um, you know, you trying to get into an established program. Is, is it would be always your best bet for one, you get to play for something. You know, you're playing for a state championship. You got your plan for to go to the Legion World Series. All of those things are, are things that you're building into. And by having these B teams, it really gives Legion the ability to have uh, like a varsity to varsity sophomore kind of setup with their with their teams. Definitely. So I think it, it makes sense. Um, and, um, you know, we've been able to pull it off thus far. So I do expect it to continue. And I know in the next couple of years, there's a, there's should be a pretty big influx of kids, at least uh, on the red side, I, that I know just because I'm involved with all those kids at that level from right. watching my son. So I'm more familiar with, with what's going on there on the red side. 
from from their supply line than I am uh, with the Royals currently. But uh, but the Royals have had great numbers, you know, in recent years. They have yes. tryouts, so we fully experience. You know, we fully expect uh, that the, the post fourteen to continue on both sides now. So yeah, we're rolling with six teams and, and we're planning on it. Great. So how do you measure success of the Legion program? You know, is it state championships? Is it just overall wins? Is it um, scholarship well, opportunities? Yeah, you, know, you can uh, you can use any of those if you if, you, if that's what your deal is to measure success. You know, it, the, the the success that I think the program should be measured by, and it's not something you see initially. But what do these kids go on to do? Um, I think is really um, you know, yeah, it's great. Hey, if we can get kids to go play college baseball and they move on and play good programs and, and, and are successful doing that, then hey, then we've provided an atmosphere for them to to be able to move on and, and something that they love to do and be successful at it, and that's great. But you know, we also see these kids go on and be you know contributors to society. You know, that go out and, and be you know get be have good jobs, get a good education, um, and and be kids that come back and help help the community. So. I think the Legion program, if you look over its history, you'll see a lot of alumni that are still around the Billings area. You'll see a lot of alumni that have moved on and have done great things yeah. throughout the country. I mean, some amazing things throughout the country. Um, so I think that historically, you know, if you that's how I measure the success of the program is the product of the people that were, you know, that were turning loose into the real world. And it's not just all our teachings, right? We're a component of it. You know, family structures and parents have obviously a big thing to do with that. Every person that each kid comes along can have an influence in their life. What we're just trying to be at Legion Baseball is another part of the growth of these student athletes so that they can, uh, you know, just have the best opportunities to be successful in their life. And if it happens to be in sports, they're great. Yeah. So, of course, you know, with that being said, we strive to win state championships. I mean, we do play to win. We're not, we're not just here solely for – um, uh, growing young, good, solid young adults. Um, that's that is a part of what we're doing, but we're also here to compete because I think uh, learning how to compete in the right way and striving to excel is something that is a life lesson that needs to be uh, that is that is part of that growth that we talk about, where you're competing out there in the real world for your success. We try to do that here at this level uh, as well. So. Um, you know, and I think the Billings program, over the history of the program, obviously, you know, we've been very successful with state championships and oh, continue yeah. to win them uh, pretty regularly. And that's uh, it's just, I think, a good a good sign of a solid program. Yeah, Definitely. So are you in favor of high school baseball on top of Legion in the Billings area? You know, we're one of the few states you know, that don't really have good, it. Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's, uh, you know, it's obviously the question uh, that's uh, – uh, you know, starting to become more and more asked, right? And so we got an interview on Friday with the, a news station about it. Um, my, my opinion is that, that high school baseball and Legion baseball survived together all across the country. Right. You know, we're just one of the few states that don't have high school baseball. Uh, will it change? Um, uh, how things operate in the state, it may. Um, and, 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 but not, that doesn't mean change is a bad thing. It may, it may, it may provide to be uh, turn out to be a beneficial thing um, in the long run. But I think, you know, with change, you, I'm sure you'll find people that are resistant. I myself am in favor of high school baseball. Um, I, I think any, it gives opportunity to more kids to play a uh, sport. I think I think kids have, like I, like we've talked about, learning to and growing into young adults. 
I think there's just an awful lot of things that sports provides outside of the sport itself for uh, for both men and women as they as they grow up. It gives them structure, it gives them work ethic, it gives them so many things that um, if we can have the opportunity in high school for kids to play baseball, I think it's great. It's different than Legion because high school is just those guys in that high school. Mm-hmm. So it won't be, in my opinion, Legion will always be stronger because you're drawing from a larger uh pool of, of athletes for your legion teams than you do uh for uh your high school your high school team right you go right. like missoula i mean they got three high schools up there they only have one legion team yeah a one legion program anyway you know and so yeah they're drawn from that whole town up there yeah and so all of a sudden now you look at their high school and now you're splitting that three ways well it's going to walk down the talent um just i mean it's obvious to see that now that's okay um, that, that's just a difference. Just a difference of what's going to happen between the two. So I think that there's plenty of opportunity uh, for high school baseball and then Legion to coexist. Legion will have its state tournament. It'll move on for its Legion World Series, just like Legion Regionals, and then the opportunity to go Legion World Series, just like it has in all these other states. So I think that there's certainly uh, no reason why uh, both can't coexist. I know there's probably some in the state that are worried about it just because it's going to change some things maybe, but I, I, I'm not one of them. I think we just adjust um, and see how, how it all filters out. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if a lot of the Legion coaches end up becoming some of the high school coaches. Yeah. Um, they should, actually. If they really want to have good high school programs, I think a lot, if the Legion coaches are willing to do both, um, you see that a lot in other states where your, your high school coach will be that Legion coach in the summer. Um, so, hmm. you know, it, it can, uh, it can work. Um, it's just a matter of people are uh, going to be willing to let it. Now, I don't know where the boat's going to come out. I think high school baseball certainly has an uphill battle in certain areas. I think finding fields that are good enough to play on is going to be a challenge um, for them. I don't, I don't know exactly how all communities, I know just here in Billings, um, it's, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to find a field yeah. um, that, that they're going to want to put money into because money's always very tight in school districts right. to to upgrade and make it you know good enough for for a high school um, deal. Um, playing at Dealer Park is going to be too expensive um, for for high schools to afford playing there. Nor is there any availability necessarily of it right now, as it sits for them to be able to go play there. Right. I I hope it comes to that'd be great to have for our state. So. Kurtz has had some upgrades in the last few years with the turf infield, the turf bullpens, and the new bleachers. Are there any planned upgrades for Kurtz in the near future? Well, we have a new scoreboard coming, so that's kind of, oh, kind great. of fun. Um, that scoreboard we've had uh, is about 10 years old now, I think, and kind of just ran its course. But I think the one we got is going to be more – it's made by the same company that makes the one at Dealer Park. It's not going to be anything like – not a video board, but it will be uh, app-friendly, so you'll be able to run it from an iPad – um, and it'll make user made a little more user friendly than scoreboards in the past. It's going to look great. It's going to have nice advertising on it. It's going to have a really nice sign on top of it, uh, the Joe Pertz Field. So pretty excited to get that in. That for I'm here, and I'll probably be going in in April. I think it'll be shipped up here awesome. probably this month. Um, and, but I don't think they're planning on putting it in until April. Yeah. That's great. So <clears throat> how is but other than that, I guess uh, we're always looking. There's a lot of things that need to happen at Kurtz. You know, that's the most recent thing is the scoreboard. But, you know, we, we do need to kind of upgrade the outbuildings, you know, storage. Um, we need we'd be better to have a better press box. 
um, certainly can use a, a little better building for a concession uh, point of sales than we have currently. So, you know, but it, it takes money and, and, and it takes some people to get the right people put together to go out into the community and try to fund those things. Definitely. Those are, or, uh, you know, just like the turf. Um, but sometimes, you know, buildings can be a little bit more challenging than turf. You know, turf is pretty cool. That, oh, yeah, I can see why you need that. But why do you need the building again? Yeah. Kind of building. <laughs> kind of deal, you know. But there, there we are kind of run down and we are in a situation where um, we need to we need to try to, you know, up, continue to upgrade that facility for sure. Definitely. I, that's great to hear all those improvements. So you're wearing a triple play shirt. So how important is the success of triple play to Legion? Um, well, and vice versa, right? Uh, how important is, uh, uh, is triple play to the success of Legion? You know, so, you know, Legion, uh, triple play is owned by Legion Baseball. It was started by Legion Baseball. Um, and really, the sole, it was started for two reasons. Um, the reason triple play was started for one was that our players uh, and coaches every year were struggling to try to find winter facilities to start training to get ready for their season. You know, we were sometimes out in just somebody's barn, throwing up a net, you know, we're, we're in an old warehouse somewhere, we're bouncing all that. We had no identity or place that you could call home on a consistent basis. And so we were continually always looking for opportunities. And so we had the idea, we had it for several years, um, that uh, if we could get an indoor space to have our own indoor, it'd really be awesome to do so. Um, so we, you know, we were kind of looking and uh, it just to keep our eyes out if there was something that came up that would fit, you know, be able to do something. And the second thing is that, that we really were hoping that uh, that we could build a business uh, with an indoor because at the time we were doing it, there wasn't the swing lab wasn't around. Right. Um, there wasn't any other uh, indoors in town really. There might have been a garage out in the Heights that had you know some nets that some people went hit on, but there really wasn't much of a, of a presence for any indoors here. Um, and so uh, we thought, hey, if we could start an indoor business. You know, put in, you know, have it like have a weight room, have it, have it be a place of a destination kind of place where members would want to join and, and, you know, parents would pay for their kids to be a member. Kids could kind of hang out there. They could hit, they could throw, they could do their homework there if they wanted. There's some TVs, they could weight lift and work out. Trying to, trying to build an atmosphere that uh, would be attractive was, was our goal. And then if we could make money at it, maybe we could take that money back into Legion and we help reduce the fundraising burden was what our hope was. Um, of course, we found out that that business model was a lot harder um, to, <laughs> to come by and make it profitable than we originally thought it might. And, you know, shortly after we opened triple play, the swing lab opened and, and, uh, and then there's, you know, there's been some other little places here and there and the membership model just wasn't one that really panned out super well, but what, what, was evident was that there was a pretty strong desire for um, travel ball to have a program for, for, for having a travel ball presence. And so um, Adam Hoost, who's the Scarlet coach, uh, was really a, an obvious choice to help manage, you know, to be the manager of triple play. He, he, it's what he wanted to do. It's kind of all he's wanted to do really. And, <laughs> and, and he wasn't in the position in his work life where he was an executive or running a business or anything to where 
um, you know, it would have been hard to transition. He was looking for really for something, something like this to do. And so it, it, it worked well that now we had a manager. And so, uh, you know, and Adam's done a pretty good job running triple play and, and, uh, you know, and I think he's built a nice travel ball program there. And so now that really, the travel ball program really has turned into the lifeblood of triple play. <clears throat> it hasn't turned into the, uh, cash cow to really offset much fundraising for Legion. We have got a little bit of money back from it here and there for a few things, but nothing significant yet. Um, and, and because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things you find that's hard to pull a lot of money out of um, because you never know when you're going to have a lean year. Yeah. Um, and uh, with, with whether it be travel ball teams or whatever it may be um, cash flow wise. And so, uh, but we've got it to where it's uh, it's a business that operates in the, in the plus side of the column, um, and so it's it's exciting, um, you know, it's exciting for for uh, for the program to be able to have a facility for all their players to go year round to throw and hit. So I think it helps the Legion program a lot be better than it normally would be. The kids to to move their their skills forward at a better pace than they normally would. So all that's good. And then I think with having the travel ball program, it certainly helps give um, all those kids, they get to see those Legion players a little more around. I think it gives a little more marketing to the program with the younger kids. Um, I, don't know how much, I don't know how important that is. I just think it matters on some level. I think it's um, definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, it's been a win-win. We've, we've been around a long time. We were able to move out of our original location to a better location where we're currently at. You know, it is, it is bar any, it is the nicest facility in town for sure from an indoor facility. Nobody else has what we, what we've got there for sure. Um, the space is better. The, uh, you know, the, the fact that you can go lift and, and, and get a workout in that way there, you know, does provide that opportunity for those kids that don't have maybe their own health, you know, gym pass and, granite or 777 or somewhere right so right um you know it really it really does provide a, a really good deal for, for for the kids yeah so legion goes out you know throughout the year and does things like the breakfast flakes i know the royals one year went to gravestones and put markers on gravestones of veterans what does it mean to have the teams out in the community doing things like that i think it's an important part i think you know i think you always need to be able to help the community where you can, especially if you're an organization that is asking the community all the time to support your program, right? And so, right. Legion Baseball is always out. We've been very well supported by this community. It's been it's been uh, amazing, um, you know, that we've been able to, to raise the money we have to on an annual basis to, to afford this program. Um, and it's uh, it, that part's been really, really good. Uh, and it, I think it's an important part for the kids to know it's a way to say thank you, but it's also um, important for the kids to to know what it means to be involved in your community. You know, these are these are lessons that they've learned about how to give back and help people. And I think that uh, that somewhere in there is a is a big lesson that uh, is very meaningful for for all these players. Definitely. And so my final question is. How can our listeners help support Legion in Billings? <laughs> well, you know, I think that there's a lot of different ways to support Legion baseball. I mean, you know, going to the games and, and watching the play, I think, is uh, is one way to support, uh, you know, the program. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're fun games. The kids are playing hard, um, and they're striving to win a state championship. So I think 
Um, it's a pretty good quality of baseball that you'll see uh, uh, at Legion. Um, and then, you know, there's there's all sorts of opportunities financially to help support the program. We do a lot of different things um, from, you know, gun raffle to the kids out doing their own raffle to um, we have a Hall of Fame banquet that we do. We have a golf tournament. There's lots of different things like that that we do to help, you know, raise the money. So, I mean, I think there's endless ways for people to help support the program, obviously, financially. But uh, no, I think, hey, go ahead, get out and get to a game. You know, it's fun. I think if you get involved and you see the uh, – the, the fun that the kids have in the field and the quality of baseball support it in other ways. Definitely. I know I was very grateful and enjoyed the five years that we watched it with my brother. So, and I plan to go back this summer and watch more, even though he's not playing. So good. yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. And thank you for the interview. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thanks. I appreciate having you on. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right, thanks.